Hi, I'm John Green. This is Crash Course American Literature, and today we'll be discussing Robert Frost, a great American poet hailing from the great region of New England. Ah, the great and the great region that gave us New England patriots. And of course, any historian will know that I'm kidding. He and his family all come from the less great state of California. But don't get me wrong, he is a New Englander at heart nonetheless. And sure, there's nothing wrong with California, it's just that he did feel more associated with New England. Mr. Green, Mr. Green, why is he more associated with New England? Are you sure you could be telling the audience exactly accurate evidence? Like, I mean, what made him feel this way? Why is he so accomplished? And what did he write about exactly? Don't worry me from the past, we are going to talk about this more today. Roll the opening banner! Let us begin our story with, you guessed it, Frost's Great Father! I know you're expecting me to say something about Frost in the beginning, but every great story always starts with the man who gave him half the genes that made him who he was. Which is ironic because, in short, Frostfather didn't really do poetry, actually. William P. Frost Jr., the father of Robert Frost, was an ambitious journalist, hoping to make a name for himself in California. In order to do so, he had to make a plan, the first step being in that to, well, go to California. So with this, he and his wife, Isabella, moved to California, during which time he gave birth to two great, beautiful children, Robert and Jenny Frost. Unfortunately, this didn't last long for William, for only Robert when he was 11 years old. He, Mr. Green, don't, don't say it, just don't. I know where this is going. Just like any quote-unquote great father, he just left up and died of tuberculosis. Oh, yeah. Now, I know that's a sad, I know this is like really, really sad, but we are getting off topic. And this is where we get our sense of why he's a New Englander at heart. Because when he and his family moved out of California, they needed a new fresh place to start. So they started off in Massachusetts. And as you probably can assume, his mother was now officially a single parent, a widower. So in order to keep the family supported, Isabella had to take jobs in teaching. Years passed, and in 1892, Robert was doing quite well, graduating at top of his high school class and shares his spot of Val Victorian with his future wife, Eleanor White. Soon after, Robert went on to Dartmouth University and left a year later. Mr. Green, not to be a stickler, but there isn't a whole lot of poetry going on right now. I thought this whole segment was for that kind of junk. And it is me from the past, which is where our story begins now. During his first and only year at Dartmouth University, he was able to publish his first ever poem in a weekly literary journal called The Independent in 1894. It was titled, My Butterfly, My Eulogy. But this, unfortunately, would be the only poem he would publish at Dartmouth, for you see, he did leave a year later. But, like all things, there is a silver lining. This begins his future works in, in poetry. So, in the years between his uh, life at Dartmouth and his uh, up-and-coming death in 1963, there was a lot that transpired, including where he excelled and where he suffered. 
Now, there are two main friends to go into right now, so I'll just sum up the most important stuff. Alright, really quick, he married Eleanor, he had a dozen children, two of which did had uh, end to their lives too early. Uh, he became a famous bot, he became a botanist, not famous, but, and he was able to move him and his family to England to follow his passion of being a professional poet. Whoo, everyone got that? Good. Now we can get to the good stuff. Robert wrote a lot of great material in his life, including Fire and Ice, The Road Not Taken, and other notable works, which I highly recommend. And the way he wrote each story and each poem conveyed a sense of feeling that wasn't shown before. He always kept the same kind of system when putting the words together, but always uh, followed and played to the rhythm of each text. And that wasn't the only strength he had to each poem. Let's go into more, let's go into more detail about that. In Nietzsche Frost's story, not a whole lot changes between them Rinwash, which is one of his negatives, but one of his positives of what he always shows in his stories all the time, a sense of environment and how not only it's being witnessed by the reader and the protagonist, but also how it is represented in each symbol. In Frost's story, Nothing Gold Can Stay, for example, it shows how something at the beginning of life is beautiful, but ultimately doesn't last a lifetime. This is important in context of not only how it's connected to life itself, obviously, but also how it is conveyed through the text. In, in the text, it says, Nature's first green is gold, the hardest hue to hold. Her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. So leaf subsides to leaf, as Eden sang to grief. As the dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. So as we can see in this story, uh, Robert Frost gives representations to each symbol of nature. The flower meaning life, obviously, and how something is great and beautiful in the beginning, but doesn't stay. And Eden in this context being the presence of life and the presence of God itself, has sank into grief because one of his own children has died. Thanks, Lapa. So as we obviously can see, as one Arco put it, Frost uses nature to his advantage as the main symbol for the theme because the cycle of life and death shown through the four seasons is also connected to life, to our own lives. And obviously, this is not the only piece of work he uses this kind of imagery to display emotion and symbolism in. In his other piece titled After Apple Picking, he uses the work of a farmer in the country to symbolize the long life and sacrifice people put in in their daily lives. And in the text, he compares the sleep of a woodchuck to human sleep schedule, which conveys the feeling of when work is over, you feel a sense of exhaustion come over and with work meaning life itself he means that that way it comes to exhaustion it means death and this is what makes Frost such a great writer because he's able to sometimes be playful and sometimes be serious but still be able to convey a sense of nature and how we can find meaning in the small things of the small things of that and also how we find the connection to be profound and meaningful to our own lives. Thank you for listening. I'm John Green. I'll see you later.